0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes, and you can also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. All you have to do is head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So, if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Caitlin Smith. Now, her journey on this crazy ride of country music began way back in high school when she started making trips to Nashville. Along the way, she has become a go-to writer in Music City, and she has released two albums, the most recent being Supernova, released in March of 2020. That album has done amazing things, as over the past year, she has been able to open for George Strait, Eric Church, Chris Stapleton, Old Dominion, Little Big Town, and she has also been nominated as a new female artist of the year at the 2022 ACM Awards. It's been an amazing journey, and even though it's been... A few years in the making, it is just starting to take off. So please enjoy our conversation with Caitlin Smith. Congratulations on the ACM for new female artist of the year.
1: Thank you (laughs) so much.
0: And it's crazy though, because these firsts are happening for you, but it's been like, what? between 15 and 20 years since your first <laughs> trip May- to Nashville?
1: Yeah, exactly. Since I was just yay big. I know. It's been uh, a long time. A long time coming. I call it the long and winding road. Um but man, I'm just I'm grateful for every step along the way and I just I'm such a believer in like everything kind of happens for a reason in its own timing and so um yeah. I'm just grateful. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs>
0: and is that a big message for others who are looking to possibly get into this industry is that it is a long and winding road. There are very few people who hit this mark and they got there yesterday. Most people, even though it looks like they got there yesterday, they have a long backstory behind them.
1: Totally. I mean, it. I remember when I first moved to town, people call it a 10-year town. Um, and I remember just hearing stories, you know, Jason Aldean was in town for 10 years and he was just about to move back home. And and then he finally got a record deal offer. Same thing with Dixie Chicks. Like like every like big success story has the same like 10, 15, 20, you know, that you don't see behind it, which is pretty nuts. Um, so, yeah, I would tell anybody moving like buckle up, baby, and have a good time. <laughs>
0: And it has been an incredible journey for you. And I love that because on Country Music Made Me, I love to talk about the journey before we get to the new music and all the excitement that has happened over the past year and a half or two years. And so I want to go back to the beginning. And one of the earliest pictures I saw of you was sitting on, I think, the living room floor with your dad plucking away on the guitar. And you look to be about seven or so. And so Talk about those moments and your dad and what he meant for your musical influence back when you were young.
1: Totally. Well, my dad would always, uh, he'd bring his guitar out and it was a special time. He played a little classical guitar. My mom played a little piano. And so my parents were not musicians when my dad was a police officer and my mom, I mean, she works at an elementary school. Um, And so know they're not musicians but they are music lovers and so when my dad would bring out the guitar it was always special magical thing we'd sit around and play the eagles and um you know church music and things like that and so um i got my start actually singing in church uh okay it's it's such a wonderful forgiving place to just try things (laughs) that's
0: what i've heard yes i've heard other people mention that as well
1: which is wonder it's just wonderful and, um, you know, but I, I grew up on country music as well. And, you know, my dad listened to kind of everything, classic rock. And, um, my mom just loved like Carole King and all the songwriters. And so there was a lot of music always on and around. Um, and so I started playing in church and then, um, you know, people started hearing that I could sing. And so I started getting invited to do like county fairs and little, like, things around my town. And my dad was my guitar player. For oh, me.
0: nice. <laughs> That's <Thanks> awesome. Dad. <laughs> and now some other family members I wanted to talk about to talk about their influence, not necessarily on your music, but on you as a person are your great grandparents who I saw on your social media and they looked like amazing people. They made it to, I believe your grandpa made it, or your great grandpa made it to a hundred and your yeah. grandma was pretty close and yes. they were married for, what was it? About 80, 81 yeah, years. <laughs> yes. and so talk about them and, and how special they were for you.
1: Oh my gosh. So special. Um, I mean, I, such a big part of growing up. I, I was really, uh, close to my grandparents and my great grandparents, and we would we would go to uh, one of their houses like every Sunday for Sunday dinner, and so just being around them, it was. Uh, I feel like I always walked away, learning something crazy about the past or how life was, um, and I just also like adored their. They have such a loving open like spirit and presence and so their home was always just so welcoming and wonderful um but yeah they're very very important to me for sure and I miss them dearly
0: and I believe that cooking is one of your passions and I saw that your was it that great grandma who had passed out a cooking book to you
1: Yes, I love that you know these things that it was that great grandma. She was like an mm, incredible cook, like everything she made was outrageous. And she actually, I love this story that she told us about how they whenever they would tell stories, they would mark it about when the highway went in. Because okay. they would like go down to the store like on horse-drawn carriage and stuff. Like right. And so they they marked they mark their stories of when the highway went in. And my grandma was commissioned. To cook for the highway uh, workers, the oh, men wow. the highway. So she had to cook for like 20 30 men for like this stretch of time while they were working on the road. Right. Um, but yes, I love cooking. I grew up tr- just soaking up as much as I could from Grandma Helen, and she, thank God, has passed down her book of recipes. And every time I miss her, I'll pull something out. Um, and always on holidays, we'll make at least one thing for grandma helen
0: (laughs) that's awesome and now as far as the music goes you mentioned sort of getting into county fairs and i wanted to ask you about the amateur talent contest at the minnesota state fair i believe you won it when you were 15 but the way it sounded it sounded like there were a few years before that so when did that start of competing in that
1: yeah i think i was i think i was around nine years old where i did my first talent show and um And it was like, it was an exciting thing because it was a bigger stage, it was a bigger deal. Um, I remember the years that I tried out, I had started writing songs around that age too. And so I would start uh, playing my own music and trying that out, um, which was very fun. But I did, yeah, many years auditioning my songs and I would make it to like semifinals, but never make it to the big grandstand. And then when I was 15, I wrote... um, I wrote a song by myself. I got up there and played it on guitar and uh, made it to the grandstand where it was like 15,000 people and got to like play it and got a big standing ovation. And uh, that was very a very pivotal moment though because I remember people going up to my parents and being like, I want that song recorded. Like, where can I hear it? And oh, I think okay. some light bulbs went on for my parents there um, of like, maybe maybe it's time to make some music and put it out there.
0: <laughs> wow, and so before that, do you remember a time where music like you felt the power of music and that it might be something that you wanted to pursue?
1: Yeah, I think it I mean it started when I was young like playing and and seeing like I could sing and make a whole crowd of people like stand up and cheer and I was like that's crazy. And and that was like very that was very exciting to me. I was like wow, I think this is cool like and I knew I had a big voice and people kept telling me like that I was like good and I was like okay this is fun it's fun to be good at something right um and so I was seeing it as I was growing up like that that there is this power in music I was seeing it when I would write a song and it would make somebody like cry or move somebody or you know like seeing how what I was doing was affecting other humans um it made me really excited I don't know um but it was really when I was about a teenager and I started a little band um and we like I was cold calling venues and be like book our band and I just remember like it was around that time where I was like this is what I want to do this is the coolest thing
0: ever (laughs) right and now was that band was that u Turn?
1: It was called U Turn. Yes.
0: <laughs> Tell me about that band. Was it country leading or more pop leading really or rock leading what
1: it was. Or... it was well. It was a bunch of my kids right from my church. So. Okay. And and it was like we played cover songs and whatever you know was popular on the radio and and then I would make the band play my music as well. <laughs> I was like, I wrote this new one. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> And so my brother was a drummer. Okay, I was going to ask if he was in there. Yeah, my brother was a drummer. He was a couple years younger. And then my two best friends, like one played electric and the other played keys. And it was just the best. (laughs) So much fun.
0: That's awesome. And now you talk about the songwriting. I heard you talk about the first song you wrote. Called It Felt Like Magic. Now is that the very, very first song you ever wrote? That's
1: the very, very first song that I remember writing. Yes. Okay.
0: And so what was the feeling when you were writing that? At that age, when you were writing a song, what what emotions were you pulling from for I was pulling from
1: the country music that I was listening to. And so I think around that time it was like a lot of Trisha Yearwood. And and um, a lot of Allison Krauss, like there was a lot of Juds, things like that. So so it felt like magic was like a power ballad, you know, where two people fell in love and this magical story. Right. And then apparently at the end, one of them dies. Oh, you wow. Know have you You're have dark to real them. quick hey eh? you have to kill them off right
0: <laughs> and so did you ever perform that one is that one you performed On at playground? one of or... yeah. <laughs> so what age was that when you wrote that song yeah,
1: I was like eight years old yeah oh, okay
0: <laughs> and so where did that come from that love of it like you say your parents weren't necessarily you know very musical they played instruments but where did that whole love of this come from do you think
1: Man, that's a great question. Of music or writing, I, well, I don't yeah, really know thing. because I was really, I was drawn to it. I, I'm not quite sure. Like I I have a vivid memory of sitting in front of my boom box and I did that a lot. And I had all my con- like country cassette tapes. And I remember just like taking Alison Krauss and putting in the boom box and like listening and reading the lyrics. And like studying. And I remember being like, how did they write this song? This is incredible. Like thinking about that, right. just flipping it over and over. And so like something about it, I was intrigued. And I was really drawn to like reading the lyrics and wondering how they did that. So oh, okay, I don't know why. <laughs>
0: and then so traveling to Nashville, you started making trips in high school. How did that all come about that you were yeah. able to start traveling down there?
1: Yes. Well, my sweet mom had met one random person that was from Nashville that was like a manager. And so we had one connection and she had talked to them about, yeah, if she wants to do music, she should come check out Nashville. So my mom and I got in a minivan and drove all the way down like 800 miles to Nashville. And this person like connected us with a few people and set up a few meetings. And I remember on that trip, Like, I didn't know what I expected. I was like, this is cool. Like, we'll we'll see Nashville. Right. But what I didn't realize, what I was going to find was that it wasn't just Music City, like that there was, that it was Songwriter City and that there was a job out there where you could make up songs and get paid money. Like, I learned all that. And I was like, that is great. That's crazy. You can get a publishing deal and just write songs. And so, you know, I was very, very intrigued and enthralled with Nashville from the moment that I stepped foot in this town and knew that I needed to be here
0: so even though you had loved songwriting for a period before that yeah. you never necessarily saw that part I didn't see it I don't know why anywhere. like
1: I don't know why I didn't realize these people had publishing deals and they were actually doing like that didn't connect until later on in high school for
0: sure Oh, okay and so there was a moment where you talked to your parents I believe about taking your college fund and rather than going to college, going and making an album. Now, if that's true, if I got that right, talk about that moment and just the feeling within you at that point and sort of what you expected the future to be at that age.
1: Yeah, wow. Um, That is true. That is what happened. Except that my parents were the ones that brought it up. Because of the... Okay. It, the the state fair talent contest thing happened. People were asking for the music. They had, they had kind of sat down and talked about it and brought me in and were like, all right, well, what do you think about using your, your college fund to make a record? The, the deal with them was that I would use the funds to make the record. We'd learn all about it, but I would then have to pay it back. And so I would have to sell the albums, play shows, and really learn the music business. And for them, oh, okay. it was... A way to kind of give me a college course on owning your business and recoup and recouping, right? And so um, yeah, I felt so grateful you know, we met a group of people in in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis that helped make the record. Um, a great songwriter in Minnesota, Joel Hansen took me under his wing and he helped me kind of like he was my first co-writer, right? and so he oh, okay. helped me get my songs to a place that were that made sense. <laughs> And we're good, right? And so, um, it wasn't. Inc- it was like a college course in those two in the, in that year of right. the record, So,
0: and then once it was recorded, that was an album that you used to shop yourself, right? To try and get a deal. Now, to
1: try and get a deal as a fifteen-year-old, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. What was the process like? Like, <laughs> I I imagine that it could be a process that would crush dreams like oh, it, would, it would make you sure. just stop right there and say okay nope this isn't for me i'm just gonna go home what was it within you throughout that process that made you want to push through especially at that young age
1: yeah totally well i mean i feel grateful i i heard no a lot starting from there and you know fast forward even 10 years of right no um Thank God for my great grandfather Carl, though he was the stubborn one, and I know, and it's in me, so <laughs> <laughs> I got that from him. Um, but honestly, like my parents were so supportive, and and really just wouldn't like th- they wouldn't really let me just sit on no and take no as an answer in a great way. Not that they were pushy, but just that they were like, yeah, well, you'll just find some other way, right? And and it was like I never found that no was like a was like the end i was like all right i'll figure something else out um and so yeah it was years of shopping that around and then from there i i what i learned in that process because i thought you make a record you shop it around you get a record deal and all your dreams come true like that's what my 15 year old self was thinking i'm like yeah that's that's how it's gonna happen um But one thing I did see is like, you could have the best voice and it really didn't matter because you needed, you needed great songs to have a lasting career. Right. And so I kind of set my sights on, well, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to write great songs. And so I started going back and forth from Minnesota to Nashville for years and years. Each trip I would meet with the publisher, get introduced to their writers and come back and forth and write. and so for me, I was like, I'm, I want to figure out the craft of writing so that I can have great songs and have a great career as an artist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And along that time, as you're getting more into the writing, you're starting to get cuts. Now, how important was it for you to also be in the studio, to also be recording this music? Because along the way, I saw that you know, you were in the studio quite a bit, even if you weren't releasing the music, you were in there recording music. And so how important was that for you to keep that dream alive and not just sit back and say, oh, this writing thing is going really good. I'm just going to do this and this will be my career and that'll be it.
1: Right. I mean, it was, it was important to kind of keep that alive. And I, you know, even before I moved to Nashville, I made three independent records, And, you know, try to tour them and get out there and build my fan base within the Midwest. Right. Um, When I moved to Nashville and signed my publishing deal, I said to myself, well, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the stage and just really focus on writing. Um, The cuts started happening and I was like, this is cool. This is cool. As the first few years kind of moved by, um, I really started missing it. Like I was going into the studio and recording demo sessions and that was like feeding at least that part of it. That was fun. But I was missing the piece where you get on a stage and you share your song with an audience and there's that connection. And, um, and so it just, and it also, as the years went on, it got harder and harder to give some of these songs up. Right. It was good. And I, I, I could feel inside. I was like, I really, I want to make a record. Like, I want to do this, but I just didn't know about timing. And so there was definitely a struggle for a couple of years um, of what I was doing.
0: <laughs> right. And so in July of 2016, you released the first five songs from your album, Starfire. Now, was that really a point, like the first point of making the push to become an artist?
1: That was not, that was not the first point. No, but actually, if you back up a little bit, I, um, I went in a handful of years before that and made a full length record. Um, my, my old publisher and dear friend, Brett James produced the record and we took that full like 11 song album and we pitched it all around Nashville oh, okay. and to every label and got no.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> and instead of getting a record deal, I ended up getting like, two top tens on that album that other that they that they recorded on other artists right oh,
0: okay <laughs> which
1: is cool <laughs> um and then I was like okay that's fine we ended up not releasing that then I recorded an EP uh and did the same thing tried again with those with that new batch of songs same scenario and so I had just done a, a lot of like what is not this question in my head what does Nashville want to hear from Caitlin Smith um, okay. well, I think they want some radio hits. And I, so I was doing, doing that with these two things. When I got to Starfire, I had had, you know, a lot of cuts that had happened and thank goodness that so was very fortunate. And, you know, I had made some money from that. And so I remember sitting around with my husband one night and being like, I just want to make a record. I just want to make a whole album and just put it out there and just make it for myself. Right. Right. And so we just did it. I took my own money and, and, and um, met the wonderful Paul Moke and we made an album together. And um, in that process found out I was pregnant and I was like, Oh man, this kind of is not a, I was not expecting that. This right. <laughs> complicates things. I just, I remember like, I had kind of envisioned all these big dreams happening. And I remember in that process, I was like this, this really just might not happen at all, or it might not happen how I think at all. And I I felt like I let a lot of that go in the process. And I was like, I'm just gonna make a record that I like. So that's what brought me to Starfire.
0: Okay. And you mentioned your husband. Let's talk about him a bit. He's a songwriter as well. You have been with him basically on most of this journey that you've been on. And so how important has he been to this journey and to the point where you are today? (laughs)
1: literally the most important piece of the whole deal he is my number one cheerleader and honestly I can't tell you how many conversations we've had of where I've been like I don't know we could just move home I don't know why I'm doing this and he'll be like I know why you're doing this because that's what you're made to do like and he's just so supportive and so incredible like and you know I just I don't know if I ever even would have like went and made my own record and made Starfire If it wasn't for his support and encouragement. So, so grateful. He also plays in my band. Right. Yeah. We write a lot together. I mean, he's my muse and (laughs) my best friend. And so how is
0: that working now with two kids and your husband playing in the band? So obviously when you go on tour, your husband's there as well. So is it just, uh, okay.
1: We learned very very quickly um i i remember vividly we were out on the road with bobby bones playing a couple shows when he was doing his um the uh his like band right yeah and it was right after i had had our first and we brought him and it was me and raleigh and someone needed to sell merch somebody to take care of the baby i needed to go on stage like it was like there was like not enough hands, right? And we realized at that, that show we're like, oh yeah, people hire people need to hire like help. <laughs> <laughs> but we need help. We really need help. We can't do this alone. So we got a nanny. <laughs> right.
0: And after your first son was born, I believe it was only like a month before you were back on stage. Now, yeah. how important was that for you to not get too comfortable? with you know you want to be there for your son and love your son and and love that family life but how important was it for you to really get back into that career life as quickly as you could to, yeah. to keep that rolling
1: you know I I guess I didn't really sit down and think about it too much I I was like I'll give myself you know I think it was six weeks after I had had him I played I played a show. Um, but I guess I had in my head and Raleigh and I talked about it. We're like, we're just going to bring them along and we're going to do this. And it's going to be the family thing. And I think when I moved to Nashville, I somehow had this impression that women had to choose between chasing their career and being, being a mom. And I somehow had that messaging in the back of my brain and Went, once I did get pregnant, I mean, we talked a lot about it and Raleigh's like, it doesn't, he's like, you're not sick. You don't have cancer. You're just pregnant. Like you just, it's just a baby. Like you can still do stuff like you can still right. want to do. And so it, it was important to me because I, you know, I want to show my sons, uh, how to chase their dreams. Like, I think that's an important to be an example and. And to go after it, and um, and bring them along for the journey and the ride. And so, yeah, it was important to me. But I mean, but balance is a—it's a real thing, right? Balance is a real thing that, as a as a mother who's touring and writing and producing a record and like doing all the things, like it is a daily, weekly, monthly like struggle of like how do we make all of this fit? But so does every parent in the world have that issue? So yeah, exactly. We, you just figure it out, right? Yeah, it just
0: becomes <laughs> life, right? You just figure it, just it out because life. you and have you're like, to.
1: Up, oh, I am working too much. All right, I'm gonna take a break, and we're gonna go down vacation, and we're gonna just chill out. You just you figure out what works for you, and and bringing the kids along with us, and being a little bit crazy and all over works for us right now, which is great.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. And now let's talk about coming into 2020. You're coming off Starfire, which was a successful album for you and you're getting set to release Supernova. And now you release it and basically the next day the world shuts down.
1: Crazy, right? (laughs) And so what
0: was that time like, that, I don't know, month or two after the release within the emotions that you were feeling?
1: It was really, it was truly sad. You know, Starfire, you know, I had went and I had made it myself. And then I had signed with Monument Records. They had bought the record and it helped me release the album. Right. And so, and I released it with them. And so the record, Starfire, did way better than I had ever imagined or anticipated. And so now my expectation with record two was, oh, well, we did this with, Starfire, like, what can we do with Supernova? My my expectations were so much higher, right? Right. And so, you know, putting a lot into Supernova, then being met with pandemic and not being able to promo it in the way we wanted to, tour it in the way we meant to, like, there was those couple months after the release was so hard. There was definitely like a mourning process of like, okay, that this isn't gonna be what I had hoped and wished. Right. Um, but also like, I feel very proud of my team because we just pivoted and we're like, where are the people at? Let's just go to the people. And it's just, I mean, changing your expectations and mindset of like, and, and also letting it go like this record is going to do what it needs to do.
0: And right. just kind of
1: like, instead of putting all this pressure and expectation, I just had to go, Ooh, here you go. Let's give it up. <laughs> And so, but it was definitely a challenge.
0: And what do you think it was that allowed you to build this album in such a positive way? Because a lot of artists turned to social media, to TikTok. But from what I saw of you, that wasn't necessarily your thing in doing that, in creating these crazy videos on TikTok and getting yourself out that way. So what do you think it was during 2020 and sort of the early 2021 that led to all these great things that you have experienced over the past year, year and a half?
1: Man, that's a great question. Um, What I do remember we turned to was um, I started a, an Instagram live series called lonely together. And I really just wanted to have conversations with my friends. I think I wanted, I needed to feed the extrovert in lockdown. Right. Um, But also just creating a space to encourage people to be creative, find the bright side. Like, I think my goal was just to try and be a light in a really weird, dark, dark season. Um, And so that happened. And then you know we uh, re-released the album as a deluxe version later that fall, and asked Old Dominion to come on and collaborate. Right. And I felt so grateful because my record, my my label was like, let's try again. Right. Nobody was paying attention in March to music at all. I wasn't. No one was. Yeah. Try again and re-release it. So we really re-released as a deluxe version, and because of that, um, sang the song with Old Dominion, and it became my first radio single. Now, okay, now kid, you're on radio tour, but it's lockdown and nobody's doing anything. So how are you going to do that? It was crazy, but it just was the, the name of the game was just trying to figure it out and trying to make it work. And so we did a lot of Zoom, Zoom meetings, but then we also did this really fun thing. When restrictions started lifting a little bit more at the top of 2021, we went out on kind of our own little, you know, Radio tour, social distance radio tour, whatever. Right. And we rented out these venues that I was supposed to play on the Supernova tour. And we rented out the venue, and we invited the radio station, and I would, I would put on a tiny, tiny little show in all of these cities, um, you know, to support the venues that have been closed for forever. Right. Um, and then also to just really. I, I was the first show back for so many radio folks too, which was so fun. And so it really was just a game of how do we how do we find the people and how do we just give them a little bit of light. Um, and then I feel really grateful because the rest of 2021 was so magical. Things started opening up. Um, yeah. I got to open stadiums with George Strait, arenas with Reba. Um, amphitheaters with Old Dominion, theaters of Little Big Town and do club shows. And I was like, what? That was 2021. That was nuts. It was nuts. And so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Have
0: you processed that yet? Like 2021 was absolutely insane for you. Like just opening for George Strait. Like, I mean, come on. Like, was there a lot of what is life like this thought of what is going on after all these years of totally chasing this. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, here it is.
1: I got to tell you, it, it really like, my heart was very full and very grateful. And like, it was a, it was like a grind and especially like re-entry for everyone that's been like chilling at home to like on the road with their kids and the circus of that, that was like really nuts. Right. Um, but I think both my husband and I were just like happy to get out of the house and happy to like, we're doing music again. It felt so good because for so long it was, we just missed it. It was so sad. So I have, I've been able to process it in chunks and I just can't help, but be so grateful. It was so cool.
0: <laughs> and talking about that grateful part, I saw a post that you had when you were playing uh, with Tim and Faith on the soul to soul tour. And you were in Fargo, I think in North Dakota. And you talked about how many years before that you had played at the Fargo theater with uh, courtyard hounds who are Marty and Emily from the chicks. Yes! And just that full circle moment of years before playing this theater. And now you're playing this arena with Tim and faith. And so along this journey sort of, that remembrance of where you've come from to where you are, is that an important mindset to keep?
1: It is like you, I mean, even you saying that is giving me chills because it it is, it is so important. And I, I also like am constantly looking for those full circle moments. They happen a lot. Um, And, and that's a beautiful example of like playing the Fargo theater. Then with Tim and faith, another one that I, can't ever shake and I think about it weekly is like be, being the little girl singing in her hairbrush to Trisha Yearwood and then the full circle, you know, and then she's my first live concert that I ever see. And then we fast forward and she recorded my song, Every Girl in This Town, had me into the studio to sing background vocals on it. So now I'm singing with my idol Trisha Yearwood and like that's like in that's an insane full circle moment. And like, you know, I th- that's why, you know, I feel not bothered and so grateful for the t- 10, 15, however many years it's taken to get to this place because I, I look back on the journey and I'm like, dang it, that is so look at look at that and look how it connects here. Like it's just way too friggin' cool.
0: (laughs) That is so awesome. I know I have to let you go. There's so much to talk about, but I just want to talk about the new music. You are self-producing your new music. You have the single high out right now. And so talk about this process and why you wanted to jump in and basically just self-produce the new material.
1: Yes. Um, I'm so excited. So excited about this record. Um, You know, producing my own record, I've, like I, we've been talking about, I've been in the studio since I was 15 years old. I'm no right. stranger to the process. Um, it's always something I've wondered. Like, what, like I, I know, you know, Pro Tools and I know, you know, how to boss a guitar player around. Like, been, like <laughs> I, I'm no stranger to any of that. And I had always wondered um, if, what would it sound like if I produced it myself. For, for some reason, that role has been mystified to me through the years. Um, And I think during, during, you know, pandemic times and our social distancing times, right. I think it was in that season where I did a lot of, well, I had a lot of time to think. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And I realized, you know, like I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of a, I'm a people pleaser. I'm an entertainer, right. I like people to like me. I like people. Um, But I also like, look for, aff- I was looking for affirmation outside of myself constantly. And I, you know, I realized, hey, this is something that I've wanted to do. Um, why do I constantly need to look for affirmation from everyone else? What, what would I, what would my music sound like if I just believed in myself and gave that affirmation to myself and just tried it? Um, it was something I couldn't shake I was like, I don't know, I, I wanna do it. I'd said it out loud and my husband's like, why not? And I was like, I don't know if I can. And then the next record I pull up is like Cheryl Crow and I was like listening and I was like, who produced this? It sounds amazing. And then I was like, oh, produced by Cheryl Crow herself. <laughs> she so she only did it once, but I was like, that's so interesting. So it kept coming up <laughs> and um, you know, there was also something about this batch of songs where I heard them so vividly. When I wrote high, I heard how high sounded fully produced and I was like, what's going on? (laughs) And so I decided to just step into it and try. Cause if you don't like, I'm never going to know if I can do it or not, if I don't just try it. And my team was so supportive with the idea. So I did it. I tried it and it was terrifying. And I realized through the process, like I grew so much. Um, but um, really the goal was to just sharpen my ear and sharpen my decision-making process. Do I like that guitar tone? Do I like that snare drum? Do I think that the bass is too busy? Like uh, it's very, very like detailed things, right? Right? Yeah. Um, because I knew it would help me in my live show. I knew it would help me with making records in the future. And so all that to say, I decided to do it through the process, it's been amazing. And I feel so proud <laughs> to produce my own record. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: amazing. And I saw a post from back in 2011, you were in the studio and you said that comping vocals was your least favorite part of the job. Oh, is that, that still? Is
1: that is true. Um, and I have decided it, it is my least favorite. I love that you found that because <laughs> that's the truth. It was my least favorite. And, and in this record, I made myself love it.
0: Okay. And, I, and so
1: my other albums, I didn't comp my vocals. I was like, I don't want to be a part of the process. But with this, I was like, nope, I'm going to know exactly if that line is believable or not. And if it's not, I need to go back in and sing it. And so I made myself learn to love it. And now I can't imagine not doing it.
0: <laughs> right. That's awesome. And are you finished the process? Do you have a timeline?
1: And this goes, so we have finished the first half of the record. Uh, it comes out on April 8th. It will be called High. Um, I'm this close to finishing the back half, which will release later this year and complete the album called High and Low. <laughs> oh, well,
0: nice. Beautiful. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So we're really, really, really close.
0: Thank you once again so much for joining us. And thank you to Caitlin for joining us and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new single, Hi, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to check out our website at countrymusicmademe.com. You can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter, to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button you can also find us on any streaming platform so if streaming is your thing just head over to your favorite search country music made me and give us a follow there as well thank you once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on country music made me